And uh, I'm going to start reading from verse 1. Romans chapter 13, reading from verse 1. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause for fear, for good behavior, but for evil. Do, do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger, who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. <clears throat> Therefore it is necessary, necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. Because of this, you also pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. <clears throat> Render to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. <clears throat> so, in verse 1, it says, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. We have had two, we have had, uh, in the, in, well, in not just the past two election cycles, the past like six election cycles, there, for President of the United States, there have been hotly contested elections such that half the country wanted one person and half the country wanted another person by very, very small margins of difference. And in the last couple of cycles, people have felt, well, this person who's elected, they got elected because of Russians got him elected. He couldn't have gotten elected on his own. Then the next person that was elected, there's the other side is saying, oh, well, this person got elected because they were cheating. Uh, No way he could have gotten elected. Whatever your political persuasion, I love you. It doesn't matter to me. I don't talk about politics when I'm talking about the Bible. This matters nothing to me. But now we're thrust into it. And how can a person, how can a person write something like this that, that, uh, for there is no authority except from God and those which exist are established by God. So he goes so far as to say, those authorities that exist are established by God. If they are existing, they are established by God. So, if you don't like what the Trump administration was, according to this, if it existed, and it did exist, it was established by God. If you don't like the Biden administration, it doesn't matter in the sense that if it exists, and it does, it was established by God. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. This person was elected because of cheating. This person was elected because of, you know, the Russian collusion. It doesn't matter. If they exist, they were established by God. How could somebody write this? Well, they must have had really good governments back then. They couldn't have had them like like we have them now. So I just happen in my own reading to, to be reading in, for my own pleasure the, the, the uh, uh, 
about, about uh, um, Rome, ancient Rome. So in my reading of this, because it's, it's, it's what I'm reading on my own, and, and I, I just want to read you a portion about the history of the Roman government. And this is leading up to the generation where Paul is writing, and then we'll get to the very generation where he's writing. So remember, you have, you have, you have Judea, you have Israel, and Israel is under, under Roman rule. The Romans have conquered, they're under Roman rule, but the Romans gave autonomy so that there were still these, these, these nation states that they took over could have a government, so you still see the theocracy, you still see the, the priesthood functioning in Israel at the time. But remember, there was Pilate, the, the, the governor of the land, and o- over him there, were, there, was, there was Caesar back in Rome. So let's read a little bit about Roman government. If we think that our government in the United States or in the UK or wherever you are is particularly not good. Let's read about what the Roman government was like. Neither party believed in democracy. Both aspired to dictatorship, and both practiced intimidation and corruption without conscience or concealment. The collegia that had once been mutual benefit societies became agencies for the sale of great blocks of plebeian votes. The business of vote buying reached a scale where it required a high specialization of labor. There were divisors who bought votes, interpreters, or go-betweens, and sequesters who held the money until the votes had been delivered. Cicero describes candidates as going about person hand among the electors in the field of Mars. Pompey had his mediocre friend Aphronius made consul by inviting the leaders of the tribes to his garden and there paying them for the ballots of their groups. So much money was borrowed to finance the candidacies that the campaign raised the interest rate to 8% per month. The courts now, preempted by senators, rivaled the polls in corruption. Oaths had lost all value as testimony. Perjury was as common as bribery. Marcus Masella, being being indicted for buying his election to the consulate, was unanimously acquitted though even his friends acknowledged his guilt. Trials are now managed so venially, wrote Cicero to his son, that no man will ever be condemned hereafter except for murder. He should have said, no man of means, for without money and a good lawyer, said another advocate of this period, a plain, simple defendant may be accused of any crime which he has not committed and will certainly be convicted. Lentellus Sura, having been acquitted by two votes, mourned the extra expense that he had gone to in bribing one more judge than he had needed. When Caetinus Claudius Praetor was convicted by a jury of senators, he calculated that they could not honestly require less than 300,000 ceteris to condemn a praetor. Protected by such courts, the senators, proconsuls, the tax gatherers, the money lenders, and the business agents milked the provinces at a rate that would have angered their predecessors with envy. There were several honorable and competent provincial governors, but what could be expected of the majority? So that's in the generation leading up to where Paul was writing. Now, what about the time when Paul was writing, where he said that we should, we should, uh, uh, we should be in subjection to governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. So Paul wrote that in about 57 AD. Well, what was going on with Rome in 57 AD? 
The emperor of Rome from AD 54 to 68 was Nero, Claudius, Caesar, Augustus, Germanicus, also known simply as Nero. The emperor was not known for being moral, being a moral or ethical person, to say the least. In in AD 64, the great Roman fire occurred with Nero himself being suspected of arson. In his writings, the Roman senator and historian Tacitus recorded, to get rid of the report that he had started the fire, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class of hated for their abominations, called Christians by the populace. So, um, things were not good. So, no matter what you think of our present administrations, they're not like that. It is in that context that Paul writes this, and he's writing to the Romans, to, to the believers in Rome. He's writing to the believers in Rome. They are at, right there at the seat of all of this. That's the government. So if you think our government is really bad, it's not as bad as, as, as what was going on here. <clears throat> it's in this context that Paul writes that if they exist, they are established by God. And this is actually a principle that is, that is shown in Scripture in other places. If you look in Daniel chapter 4, verse 17... It says, this sentence is by the decree of the angelic watchers, and the decision is a command of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind, and bestows it on whom he wishes, and sets over it the lowliest of men. God sets the lowliest of men to be rulers over mankind. Isn't that the truth? I mean, but it it says it right there. God intentionally sets the lowliest of men uh, uh, over the realm of mankind, he bestows it on whomever he wishes. So this principle that that, uh, God does this can cause us to, to take pause when we get too upset with the government that we have. Go back and read this verse when it says, For there is no authority except from God, And that which exists is established by God. If it exists, it's established by God. And I say that to believers in order to give you some peace. I want you to have peace. If you can really reflect on this, if you don't like the current president, just reflect on the fact that he was put there by God. If it exists, it's established by God. You know, we just came through... Romans chapter 9, where we talked a lot about predestination in salvation and verses that just talk about this over and over again. You know, it really seems like God is in control of a, of a lot of things. Nothing takes God by surprise. Nothing takes, it by, it takes Him by surprise. And this can give you comfort. And that's why in John chapter 8, verse 26, He who sent me is trustworthy, Jesus said. And this is what I rely on. He who sent me is trustworthy. I trust him. I trust him. I trust that he is going to take care of it. He who sent me is trustworthy. We are in fact told to pray for our authorities. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, Paul writes, For of all then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. We are obliged now, 
Because we are commanded right here to pray for our leaders. Whether you like them or not, we are to pray for them so that we could continue to live a peaceful and tranquil life. Let our prayers be for them. And then Peter goes on. If you look, if you look in, in the epistle of First Peter, First Peter chapter 2 verse 13. 1 Peter 2.13 Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as to one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of the foolish men. Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. He says in this, act as free men. And do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but it, but use it as bond slaves to God. Remember, we are, we are told in 12, in Romans chapter 12 verse 1, to become bond slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. We go from bondage to the enemy to freedom, and then we have the choice to follow Jesus as bond slaves. That's our choice, to become bond slaves of the Lord. He says, as bond slaves, act as free men. So where does, where does, is there any place for civil disobedience? Is there ever any place? Do we do just whatever God tells of us? And I can see four different instances in the Bible where civil disobedience is sanctioned. And we're going to go over those four. None of those four has to do with paying taxes. If you think that you can get away with it because you're, you're a believer, you, you, you don't pay your taxes, you just don't pay your taxes and watch what's going to happen. You know, the, the IRS is one of the few entities that can come to Texas and take your house, your retirement plan, and your car. If somebody else sues you, they can't touch that stuff. But I think it's only the IRS and maybe for violations of the EPA, environmental protection, that they can, that they can actually go after your house, your, your, your car, and your, your retirement plan in the state of Texas. Other than that, the state of Texas protects all of that. Um, but there are four examples, and let, let's, let's begin to look at them. The first one is to protect human life. To protect human life, we can ha- exercise civil disobedience according to the scriptures. Because Paul said, act as free men. We're to obey, obey, but there is a time for civil disobedience. Exodus chapter 1, verse 15. Then the king spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of them named Shipra and the other named Pua. And he said, you are helping the Hebrew women to, when you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and you see them upon the birth stool. If it is a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded, but let the boys live. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this? And let the boys live. And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and they give birth before the midwife can get to them. So God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very mighty. Because the midwives feared God, he established households for them. So God actually established them for households because often a midwife would be an unmarried woman and he, he established households for them. He was so appreciative for their civil disobedience. They would not allow these children to be killed and they even lied about it. He said, well, she gave birth before we got there. You said that, that as she's giving birth we're to kill the male child. Well, already born, sorry. And, and they even lied about it. 
There's a chance. There, there's an opportunity for civil disobedience. It's to protect life. Let's look at, at 1 Kings. 1 Kings, another example of this. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 3. Uh, the context of this is Jezebel had commanded the death of all the prophets of, that were following God. So what did Obadiah do in, in, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 3? Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For when Jezebel destroyed the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and provided them with bread and water. Had it not been told to my master what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, that I hid a hundred prophets of the Lord by fifties in a cave and provided for them bread and water? So this is very much like Jews hiding in Poland. The Polish government said you can't hide Jews. Well, there is an opportunity for civil disobedience, and it's very much like this. When it comes to protecting human life, there are multiple examples. Now we have multiple examples of civil disobedience. Where else are there examples of civil disobedience? And that is to worship God and Him only. If you look in Daniel, Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, reading from verse 12. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Skip down to verse 16 of Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer. Uh, 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 replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of the blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, would not worship an idol. And they were willing to be thrown into the fire. And they said, you know, if we die in there, we die. If we don't, we don't. If we die. And you have to be, when you, when there's civil disobedience, you have to be, understand that there may be consequences. You may die. And so th- this thing, but even if he does not, but if not, the King's James says, but if not, these are the famous words from Dunkirk, where, where there, where there was going to be this, uh, this, this just wipe out the British forces forces of England during World War II. They were totally trapped and the Nazis were going to wipe them out. For some reason, decided to wait till the next day and it was at that night that they were all evacuated and uh, on, on private boats and, and, and taken out. But this was their, their message. But if not, they radioed back. But if not. And that was code for, we are willing to die here. If we're delivered, great. If not, we're going to die here, but if not, those were those classic words that they were quoting, and and uh, and then again in Daniel chapter four we see the same sort of thing with with, uh, with Daniel. Uh, um, I'm sorry, Daniel chapter uh, yeah, Daniel chapter four. Written down the wrong verse. Anyway, I'm sorry, Daniel chapter six. Daniel chapter six. Um, so Daniel would not bow. Daniel not, would not bow to. He would. He would uh, uh, only pray to to uh, to God. He would not pray to to King Darius. And so in Daniel chapter six, verse 
let's start reading from verse 6. Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows. King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, and the high officials and the governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides uh, God or man besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he entered into his house. Now, his roof chamber had windows open toward Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day and praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. And these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before God. Daniel, he still prayed to God, and he would not pray only to King Darius, even though there was an injunction, a command to do this. So, one is to save a life, another is is to worship God and Him only. How about in the New Testament? It talks about this same thing. Revelation chapter 13, verse 15. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast would even speak, and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So there were people willing to go, there are going to be people willing to go to their death, not to, not to worship that image of the beast. So, in, in the worship of God, we can, in fact, have civil disobedience. But we have to expect there may be consequences. These people were killed as a consequence. Another thing is in the preaching of the gospel. In the preaching of the gospel, we can have civil disobedience if we're told not to preach the gospel. Acts chapter 5, verse 27. And when they had brought them, they stood them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. But when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and intended to kill them. And then then, then someone interceded. And so so they they went out and they said... You know, we are going to continue to, to preach. And they said, we have to obey God rather than men. And uh, uh, so, in preaching of the gospel, if we are told we shall not be sharing the gospel, there's a chance for, we, there's an opportunity for civil disobedience. This is going to happen in your generation. You think this, this would never happen. Well, talk to your friends in China. As of March 1st, just a couple days, no more talking about Jesus on the internet coming out of China or in China. I have friends that have Bible studies with their parents in China. They're not supposed to do this over the Internet anymore. Not supposed to do this. All this webcasting that they do into China is not going to be allowed anymore, talking about Jesus. This is what they're talking about. Now, I I can freely do it in this country, but anybody who's logging in can get in trouble in China. This is serious business. These things happen. The preaching of the gospel. And then the last thing is, in the accepting of Jesus Christ. If you're presented with this, if the government should say you cannot accept this, there's, there's a chance for civil disobedience. And, and that's demonstrated in the scripture. Um, John chapter 12, verse 42. Nevertheless, 
Many, even of the rulers, believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. So many, even of the rulers, believed in Jesus, but they were afraid that they'd be put out of the synagogue, so they, they, they weren't openly confessing him. The next verse says, For they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Their being shy about this was not spoken of very well in the scriptures. They love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. When it comes to accepting Jesus, we are to be bold and accept Jesus regardless of what the government says. There's a chance for civil disobedience in this. So what are the four situations for civil disobedience? To save a human life. To save a human life, there's opportunity for civil disobedience. To worship God and Him only, there's an opportunity for civil disobedience. To preach the gospel, there's opportunity for civil disobedience. We do not stop from preaching the gospel. That's why I, I am, you, you know, there, there, there are many churches that said, we're not going to stop our worship during the pandemic. We're not stopping. And they were, they were going upon this. They were going to continue to preach the gospel and continue to worship God. And the last, so to preach the gospel and the last one is to accept Jesus. If the government should say you can't accept him, we are to still accept Jesus. These are the opportunities for civil disobedience. Other than that, I don't see it in the scriptures. I don't see examples of it. I don't see examples of people saying, well, I don't like what the government does with my tax dollars, therefore I'm not going to give, pay taxes. You know, there's a lot of Christians that actually do that, and they justify themselves. And, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're risking losing everything, but that's entirely up to them. If they, that's what they want to do. You know, it's up to them to pay their taxes. Uh, and you say, well, I don't like what the government does. What, do you think Rome did good things with their tax money? I mean, they, look, we just read some of the things that they were doing, all the bribing that was going on to get more votes. And Paul says, and, and Peter says, that we are to pay taxes. But these are the areas where there can be civil disobedience. Other than that, we are to walk in subjection to the government. And the government may tell us to do things, but, but uh, these, there, there is an opportunity for civil disobedience, and the scriptures even talk about this. And, and you'll, you'll find different things in your life. I was contacted by someone just this past week in the Bible study, and he, he's not in the U.S., he's in another country, and he chose to be a conscientious observer and not go into the army. And he chose not to do that, and he was jailed for that. And he asked me what I thought. I said, that is entirely up to you. If, if, uh, if that's your interpretation of you should, you, you, that, that, uh, uh, that you should not, not enter the army, that one is on, on you. It's entirely up to you. I said, you know, different people have different feelings about that. If it were me, I, you know, if, if I were drafted, I would certainly go to the army. I mean, that's the way I was raised and in my home. My mother used to tell my brother and I, if, if when you get drafted, you're going to go. But then, but then right before we had to go, they stopped the draft because Vietnam had become such a fiasco that they stopped the draft just before my brother and I had to get drafted. And so, so um, uh, but, but in any case, that, that, that these are decisions. These are hard decisions that people make, things that have to be made. And, uh, um, but you see that there are examples of this. And that person who, who decided not to go to the army, they could take this thing that, that they didn't want to take a life. And, and that's their interpretation of that, and that's up to them. The Bible allows us this sort of thing. 
And uh, uh, so, you, so you, what you see here is, is a pattern, and it affects our lives. And if this doesn't affect you right now, you will come to a decision point sometime in your life. There will be decisions that you make. And uh, uh, so, so when it says, for example, um, in, in verse 7, Render to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom customs are due, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. I mean, it's very specific, and it was to to really lousy lousy uh, administrations and governments. But I want you to remember this in verse thirteen: for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. We may not like the current administration in this country, but if it exists, it's established by God, and we are to continue to honor, and we are now obliged to pray for them. We have an obligation to pray for them, according to what, what Peter has instructed us, as we read. We have that obligation. If you are not a believer, I urge you, I urge you to come to Jesus. If you're not a believer, hear me now in this. Please reach out to me, contact me, just let me know, and I will share with you. If you have a friend who's an unbeliever, and you would like to see them saved, please bring them to this class. Bring them. Bring them to church. Bring them to this class. Introduce them to me. Give me an opportunity to speak with them over their lunch after, after this class. Please give me that opportunity. Bring them here. You don't even have to tell them why you're bringing them. Just, you don't have to tell them. Just, just, just bring them and give me that opportunity. Give me that chance with them. And, 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 uh, uh just give me the high sign that, you know, <laughs> that, that's all it'll take. And, and let me know and I will gladly you know, share with them, and and uh, um, and, and I want to do it. And if and if you're not a believer, if you're online and you can't get to Houston, or if you you can't meet, just let me know. We'll do it by Zoom, no problem. And I will meet with you usually within twenty eight, twenty four to forty eight hours. I'll meet with you if our schedules will will allow it. I'll meet with you right away, and we'll take care of that. And and uh, because I want so much for you to come to know Jesus. Jesus says, "Come, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me; you'll get rest for your souls." Jesus, this is the message of the gospel. It is come. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your mercies. I thank you so much for your kindness and your grace. And Lord, I pray that you would draw people to your Son. I pray your mercies and your grace be there. And Father, we remember this morning the many people in, in Ukraine who are being attacked right now. Father, I pray your protection upon them. Oh Lord, turn, turn the hand of this and protect that country. And Father, so many believers are there. Father, that are crying out to you. Father, remember our brothers and sisters that are there. Protect them, I pray. Father, I pray that you would move just as you moved upon Israel to protect people, that you would protect that land. Father, I pray for your continued protection upon President Zelensky. Father, protect that man, I pray. And Lord, I pray that through this, many would come to Jesus. Many would come to Jesus. And also in Russia, Father, I pray that the the Russian troops would just be demoralized. And that many would turn to Jesus and say, what are, what are we doing here? Father, turn the hand, I pray. Protect those believers. Protect those, those women, those children, those men. Father, watch over them, I pray. And Lord, I pray for the lost, that you would save souls. Father, use all of this to save souls, I pray. 
And I commit this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.